0: Uh, we're going to be looking at three passages of Scripture today uh, as we prepare our heart uh, to receive uh, the Lord's Supper. We're going to be looking at three separate passages of Scripture on today. And uh, first one that we're going to look at, and I will have some on the screen, but our major one, uh, we're going to be in Second uh, Corinthians 6, chapter Verses 14 through 15. Uh, and then we're going to be uh, looking at uh, in the book of Numbers. And I won't have that one on the screen. And uh, just giving you a heads up to get your Bibles out. We're going to be in Numbers, the 19th chapter. Amen. On today. And uh, let's begin reading from the New King James Version. It says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness? With lawlessness. And what communion has light With darkness. And what accord has Christ. With the Or what part has a believer. With an unbeliever. And what agreement has the temple of God. With idols. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said. I will dwell in them. Walk among them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. May the Lord have a blessing to uh, the hearing and uh, the reading of his word there uh, in 2 Corinthians 6 and uh, 16. And uh, when we go back to that first uh, verse we read, uh, 2 Corinthians 6 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with law? What commune has light with darkness? And uh, when I When we look at that verse, that's a verse of Scripture that uh, I'm going to look like I'm going across a thing, but you don't hear preach a a lot. But when it talks about uh, not being unequally yoked together uh, with unbelievers, primarily it means that a saved person should never marry an unsaved person. Uh, It means a few other things than that, but that's primarily uh, one of the things that is talking about. One of the most intimate relationships there is is the relationship of marriage. And one of the most important relationships there is is the relationship of marriage. And who you marry has the potential to alter your destiny. And so, therefore, it is not to be entered into, and this is not not a message about marriage, but it's not to be entered into unadvised. What we're going to be talking about uh, today, we're going to be talking from the subject, the tragedy of an unclean Christian. Can you repeat that after me? The tragedy of an unclean Christian. Amen tragic. And there's a verse that we saw uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, 6 and 16 there uh, verse 17. It said, come out from among them and be separate. Says the Lord, do not touch. I want you to say that with me. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. The tragedy of an unclean Christian. And so, that's what we want to talk about today. And in order to uh, get into this today, uh, I'm going to ask that you open up your uh, Bibles Uh, We're going to go into the Old Testament, the 19th chapter of the Book of Numbers. 19th chapter of the Book of Numbers. And we're going to read and we're going to look at this Old Testament uh, 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 teaching that uh, God uses an object lesson that I believe will communicate to us, amen, about the tragedy of an unclean Christian. In Numbers 19 and 2, again, reading from the uh, New King James Version, it said, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. And you shall give it to Eliezer, the priest, that he may take it outside the camp and it shall be slaughtered before him. And Elisa the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meat. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, it's offals, It's talking about its entrails. Its digestive system shall be burned. The priest shall take cedar wood and his scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. You all know what a heifer is, right? That's not what some of the old people used to call their kids. A heifer is a female cow. We're in verse 6. Verse 7. Then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe in water. And afterwards, uh, he shall come into the camp. And the priest shall be unclean until evening. And the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water. Bathe in water. And shall be unclean until the evening. Then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. And they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel, for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash its clothes and be unclean until the evening. And it shall be a statute forever to the children of Israel, and to the stranger who dwells among them. He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with the water on the third day. The water they're talking about is the water of purification that they prepared from the Red hell. So I read again, he who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day. Then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day, on the seventh day he will not be clean. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. And his uncleanliness is still on him. This is the law. That a man that dies in a tent. And all who come into the tent. And all who are in the tent. Shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel, which hath no cover fastened on it, is unclean. Whoever in the open field touches one who is slain by the sword, or one who has died, or a bone of a man, or a grave, shall be unclean seven days. And for an unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the Heifer burnt for purification from sin and running water, and shall put it on them in a vessel. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, and sprinkle it on the tent and on all of the vessels and on all of the persons who are there, and on the one who touches the bone, the slain, the dead, or a grave. The clean person shall sprinkle. Be unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day he shall purify himself and wash his clothes and bathe in water. And at evening he shall be clean. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person shall be cut off from among the assembly because he is defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of purification has not been sprinkled on him, and he is unclean. Hallelujah. Can I have a little bit of water, please? I want to talk today about the tragedy of an unclean Christian. And I know you all are looking at me as I read those verses. And there are probably some of you all saying, what in the world is he talking about? What has all of that got to do with us? Well, if you stick with me for just a little bit, uh, I'm going to try to answer that. And why we look back, because when Paul was writing in 2 Corinthians, And he said, uh, touch not the unclean and be separate. He was looking back at Numbers 19. And there was a spiritual principle established by God in Numbers 19. You remember he said, this ordinance, what is an ordinance of law? He said, this ordinance uh, is perpetual." And not only did he say, does it apply to the children of Israel, but he said it applies to the strangers that dwell among you. You all with me? So I'm going to try uh, to uh, uh, make it and and open it up, amen, with the help of God. And, And I believe that there is a spiritual truth that we can glean and an application that we can make. As new covenant believers, and I believe that Amen is going to bless us. So, uh, what we Amen? Let's see if we can begin to uh, explain it a little bit. We want to talk about the contamination, the contamination. You take this, the contamination that sin brings to life. Say that with me: the contamination. That sin brings to life. Let's see if we can show how this applies to us today. The contamination that sin brings to life. You see, in the Old Testament, God had a law that we were not to touch a dead person. Now, obviously, if you touch the dead person, uh, they were return that they it could have been disease. You, you, you know, uh, uh, and but, but, but what Dr. was talking about was not just a matter of hygiene. Um, you know, you could wash your hands. You could, uh, uh, you know, if they had a disease, you could uh, isolate. You know, some of us are experiencing that during the pandemic. Uh, You can isolate yourself, uh, quarantine yourself for uh, a certain amount of time. Uh, But what's going on here goes far beyond hygiene and sanitation. God is teaching an object lesson. And the object lesson is that death and sin are inseparably linked together. Sin causes death. To enter into the world. The entrance of of, of death was because of sin. Therefore, death is the visible sign of sin. In fact, it's going to be one of the last enemies that Christ destroys. And death has been used as a reminder that the wages of sin is death. Romans 6 and 23. So God said, Don't touch a dead body. And he was giving uh, as I said, more than a lesson on hygiene. Don't pollute yourself. with, in essence? Do not pollute yourself with sin. And when Paul in the New Testament says, touch not the unclean thing, uh, uh 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, he's not talking about dead bodies, he's talking about sin. Now, what kind of sin or what kinds of sin is he talking about? Well, I believe that when we look back and begin to explain uh, Numbers 19, uh, it will help us understand the types of sin. And so uh, when we look back on Numbers uh, 19, the first type of sin that we see is what I call calculated sin. Or what is sometimes called presumptuous sin. In Numbers 19 and 11. It said there. And he that toucheth the dead body of any man. Shall be unclean. Now when a man, woman, boy, or a girl. Presumptuously walks up. And lays his hand on a corpse Upon a dead body. God says he's unclean, and when we talk about calculated sin, we're talking about somebody who does it deliberately. It wasn't by mistake. It wasn't. Uh, uh, they 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 calculated. They did it willingly. They did it knowingly. Amen. They touched the unclean thing, and that is what we call a calculated sin or a presumptuous sin. Now remember, the image is a dead body, but I'm not talking about a dead body. It could be any kind of sin. The dead body is representative of sin. And the most dangerous sin in the uh, the most dangerous sin in the world is the sin that you commit with your eyes wide open. Knowing that what you're doing is deadly. But saying, I'm going to do it anyway. In Psalms 19 and 13, David prayed and said, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. When any of us, when we sin willingly and deliberately and definitely, we know. That what we're doing is a sin. You're touching an unclean thing, and we know that it is a deadly thing. And I want to warn you today about the tragedy of an unclean Christian. And 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 that subject, uh, I I I you know I'm not talking about the world today. I'm talking about Christians. The tragedy of that unclean Christian because all of us who are believers have the ability to do this. When we got saved, our hands weren't tied behind our back. When we got saved, if you knew how to smoke before you got saved and hold a blunt or hold a cigarette, Amen. Hey man, them fingers still know how to hold a blunt or hold a cigarette. So the first category of sin that uh, we have to be uh, guarded against and what's mentioned or what's illustrated in in Numbers 19 was calculated sin. The next one that's mentioned in Numbers 19 is what I call casual sin. Say that with a casual sin. You see, not only is there calculated sin, but somebody... They go out and say, "You know what? I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to, I'm I'm going to, you know, do this and do that, and I'm going to have me a good time." That's 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 calculated sin there. But casual sin. Let's talk about casual sin. There's another kind of sin that most of us need to be cleansed from on a daily basis, and that's the one not that you calculated to sin. Uh, But in Numbers 19 and 14, it says, This is the law, when a man dies in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that are in the tent shall be unclean seven days, and every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. Now, Now, he's talking about somebody, and back then they lived in tents. You know, you might say, Well, I don't, I don't, I don't live in the tent, or I'm not in the tent unless I'm camping. The tent was their house. Uh-huh. So it's talking about abodes, places where we go. And he said that somebody dies inside uh the dwelling, those that come in, and those that are already. Because that person died in there, they're unclean. So, so what we're talking about here is you do not necessarily have to deliberately or presumptuously defile yourself. But if you're just around, defile. Or oh, is anybody listening to me? If you're just in a place where death and defilement takes place, And you have casual contact with it. You've got contact with sin. And casually, you've been corrupted. Some of you are saying, well, you know, can you illustrate that? Uh, Yeah, I can. Anybody ever been into an environment where there were a lot of people smoking? Smoking tobacco cigarettes or smoking marijuana or, or whatever they're smoking. And, and and how many know if you hang around where a, enough people are smoking, even though you're not smoking, number one, you're going to come out with the smell of smoke in your clothes. And if they're smoking some of that, you know, funny stuff, and you're around long enough, you're coming out with what do they call it? A contact or bugs. And you weren't even the one who was in Bible. Okay. Talking about casual singing. So so you might say, well, how we well, illustrate that for me, uh, Pastor Nunn? Well, if you work in an office or uh uh you know, any workplace where uh there's a there, there are unclean conversations going on all the time, dirty stories, dirty jokes, innuendos, or perhaps uh you know, with the uh, social media, you don't really have to go looking for it. They'll find they'll, they'll find your inbox. They'll try to track you down and 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 uh, defilement things that uh, uh, are unclean. Uh, I, 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 I the programs that come on my television. Uh, a lot of times, I started out watching the program and I thought, okay, this going to be good. It's got a lot of action and so forth. And all of a sudden uh, some stuff starts coming across the screen and I'm like Ugh. Uh. uh I'm in a tent with Debbie. Maybe it's the people that you hang with, the people you travel with. Some of for some of us it might be the people we're married to. casual sin and what God and notice what God said. God said that if they die in the tent, not only the ones in the tent, but the ones who come in, but even the vessels that are there if they're not covered. Do you notice that? If they're not covered, if they're open, there have been contaminants. Talk about casualcy. How I many of you know it, it's important to have government? Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's important to have government. Amen. You know, we got these crazy folk, well, here I go. But we got these folk that don't even want to wear a mask. Oh, it's my it's my right, it's my freedom. You can't make me wear a mask. You 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 good. No, no. Be serious. We're trying to stop a pandemic. Be serious. you going to fight somebody on a plane because they ask you to keep your man in store? <laughs> Hallelujah. Talk about the tragedy of an unclean Christian. So, so, so the first type of sin we talked about was calculated sin. The second one we talked about was uh casual sin where uh it's not you that's doing it but you come in the mix of it and, and, and if you're in the midst of it it it, it 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 has a tendency to leave a residue on you I remember I worked uh one point in a power plant and uh, you know I worked in power plants and maintenance shops and stuff like that and sometimes there was so much cursing and foul language that would go on that when I would get off work, and I'd be at home, and it'd be quiet, I'd, I'd hear cursing in my head. Calculating sin, casual sin. Amen. Let's talk about the third category, careless sin. Say that with me: careless sin. This is the one that, it's not casual sin, but it's careless sin. For many of us, it's not what others are doing, but it's what we did when we just weren't thinking. We didn't do it premeditatively, uh, but nonetheless, we sinned. It wasn't calculated, but it was careless. If you look at uh, Numbers 19 and 16, it said, Whoever touches one that was slain with a sword in an open field, or comes across a bone that was the bone of a person that had been killed. They're talking about a situation where you're in battle and you're fighting, and you look over, and your buddy uh you think maybe got injured, but when you get over there and say, You're alright, you're all right, and you, you find out they're dead. You're touching a dead body. You didn't mean to come in contact with a dead body, but it was. Carelessness. Or you were out walking and, and, and came across something and dug it up and it was a bone and you didn't and then you didn't begin to realize it was a human bone. It was careless. Amen. Careless sin. A dead body or the bone of a man. Just a small thing. Working in the garden and you unearthed something. You pick it up, and you look at it, and you say, Oh, I ought not to be having it like that. You put it back down unguarded moments. We seem to trip over certain things, stumble over certain things. Many times there are things that might seem too small to notice. Not a full body, but only a bone. But nonetheless, the Bible says we need to be cleansed from these kinds of careless things. That's something that any of us can do. Calculated sin, casual sin, careless sin. And then the most insidious is concealed sin. This is the one that we find in uh, verse 16, last part of verse 16. He mentions a grave. You see, if you touch a grave, now that's the sin. But the sin is not on the surface, it's underground. You can't see it. And here's a man who's just walking on perhaps grass, a grass-covered grave. And yet the Bible says he's unclean. Maybe he was not even aware for a moment of what he was doing. You know what the Bible uh, calls secret faults. In Psalms 19, verse 12, it says, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Again, we're, 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 we're illustrating and saying that there are things we do, things we come in contact with, that a lot of times we have no knowledge that we're dealing with dead things. The Bible said there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is what? death. So, uh, calculated sins, casual sins, careless sins, concealed sins. And when we talk about concealed sins, hidden and, and, and for some people uh, they like to hide what they're doing because they know it's wrong. But when you hide it and conceal it, you uh, you're, you're, you're not leaving yourself open uh, for deliverance and healing. So, let's talk about the curse and what happens if we don't get cleansed. What happens? What happens when we inadvertently or, or intentionally uh, Paul says uh, uh be separate. Don't, don't don't touch the unclean thing. What happens, amen? When we don't get cleansed, well, uh, the first thing that happens is there's a loss of fellowship. Say that with me. There's a loss of fellowship. Yeah, if you don't do something about it, there's a loss of fellowship. And we're talking about a loss of fellowship with the brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice verse 20 of uh, Numbers 19. But that man shall be unclean and shall not purify himself. That soul shall be cut off from among the congregation. There it is. There's a loss of fellowship that takes place if you don't get cleansed. Did you know that only sin separates the people of God? Say it again. Only sin separates the people of God. Is there anybody? Let's, let's just keep it along. Is there anybody in this church that you can't get along with? That you just can't stand? Anybody? As part of this church, you, you can't stand? Well, uh, I'm here to tell you if that's true, either you or they or both of you have sinned. Because sin is the only thing that separates people in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. What, what does the Bible say? Greater love we ought to have. Those that are the household of faith, sin causes a loss of fellowship. Not only does sin cause a loss of fellowship, sin causes the loss of freedom. Verse twenty, Numbers nineteen, he has defiled the sanctuary. So now here you are, you sit in church. This is the place that we call the sanctuary. And not only are you on a fellowship uh, with, with with the people, but you don't have any fellowship with God. No. We're getting ready a little bit to look into, uh, observe the Lord's Supper. And it says that if you're not cleansed, not only are you defiled, but the things you touch are defiled. Yeah. Everything you touch you contaminate. You ever been around somebody that uh, when you're in their presence, they just make you feel dirty? Anybody, anybody ever been around some folk like that? Or am I the only one that runs into this You feel like that after you get through dealing with them or talking to them or listening to them, that you need to go take a bath or show them? Loss of fellowship with the people of God. Loss of freedom with God. Loss of fruitfulness for God. Loss of prooffulness for God. You got folk that want to serve with dirty hands. Now, when I go out to eat, there's an expectation on my part. That the, that the folk that are serving and bringing the food have clean hands there's an expectation on my part but have any of y'all ever been to a restaurant where you can see them preparing food and, and they get it together and you're, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then here they go grab the spoon and you know and they're going to bring it up to you and are going to serve it to you or have you seen them I've I, I, I been places where I work with folks and you be in the bathroom and they be in the bathroom and you go to the sink and you're washing their hands and they flush the toilet and they get up and head right out the door And then, got nerve enough to want, to want to shake your hand? Or want to share something they got? And I got something as good for my son. No! I don't want them. And yet, we've got nasty Christians who want to be seen. Who like and enjoy being up in the front and always want to be seen doing something, but they're doing it with dirty hands. There's a loss of fruitfulness to God. Cut off from the congregation, cut off from uh, the freedom from the presence of God and a loss of fruitfulness. And whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean. What that's talking about is there people that everything they touch dies. And what we're talking about here—not just uh, natural death, but spiritual death. Anything they get involved with. It is of dying. Have an organization, have a, have a church, have a choir, uh, have a social group, whatever you have. Certain people can come and when they join, things began to die. That's why, and, and, and I used to wonder sometimes because as a pastor, you want everybody to be saved. You want everybody to come to the mouth of God. You want everybody to. Uh, uh, you want to invite everybody. You know what I found out? You can't invite everybody. You can't deal with everybody. I used to I used to feel bad that if I would call a prayer line, uh, I felt I had the obligation to pray for everybody. Do you know what God had to straighten me out? And one time God told me, he said, don't pray for him." I was in the city for another preacher. And he and another preacher were having a, a a dispute, and he wanted to talk to me, uh, uh, or, or tell on the other preacher, whatever you know. Uh. But I got on my knees before I had the conversation where I begin to get a seat in his behalf, in a seat, ask God uh, uh to minister to it, to bless it. and the Spirit of the Lord stopped me from praying. and said, "Don't bring their name up before me." He said, Don't even uh, uh, call their name. And I remember it shocked me so that I kind of got up from break. my knees and I'm like, Whoa. And then that same brother called me and wanted to run down the other brother, and I said, You stop right now. He said, You stop right now. I'm done. He said, What you mean? What you mean? I said, God told me not to pray for you. And he's, he What? wait, wait, wait. I said, you got to say another word. I'm done. They bring death because they're unclean. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that to be me. I want, when I, when I go somewhere, when somebody meets me, when somebody comes in contact with me, I don't want to be in that, have unclean hands and, and promote death. I want to promote life. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the cleaning agent that we see here in uh, Numbers 19. The, cleans, the cleansing agent. Uh, you see, God provided the red heifer as, as a as a as a temporary means or as a type of purification and cleansing. I was thinking about uh, the fact that number one, it's a red heifer, female cow. And, and I'm going to show you shortly that it represents Jesus. And you would say, well, how does a female cow represent Jesus? And, well, when I think about the church, the church itself is styled as the bride of Christ. Am I right about it? And and when you look at things, uh, when something is objective. Uh, you know, kind of dealing with the outer, uh, it's, it's, it's dealt within the with a, a male uh, pronoun, male gender. There are things that are talked about, and they're, they're more out there, outside, objective. But when you're dealing with something that's subjective, inward, reflective, it's dealt with a female gender. You all know, understand what I'm saying. Even though it could be a male person, but it's dealt with with a female uh, uh, pronoun because it is it is uh, not uh, objective. It is uh, reflective. It is subjective. It's about feelings and thoughts. And so, uh, in talking about the cleansing agent. Uh, the ashes of the red, of red heifer picture the Lord Jesus Christ and the thing about the cleansing agent is that it must be acceptable to God let me first say that uh, the sacrifice of an animal that was slain picture Jesus and I'll show you why you'll notice that it said there uh, that she was without spot or blemish. Look at, if you will, in verse uh, 2. This ordinance of which the Lord hath commanded, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein there is no blemish. This is the sacrifice has to be sinless, without spot, without blemish. It's a picture of Jesus. Notice it also said no yoke could ever have been on its shoulders. That means that the sacrifice has not been scarred by the yoke of sin. Verse 3 the sacrifice had to be killed on the outside of the gate without the camp, Numbers 19 and 3. That is a picture of our Lord Jesus who died outside of the gates of Jerusalem on Calvary's cross. Notice verse 4, the Bible says that the blood is sprinkled seven times. Seven is a perfect number that speaks of the perfect blood of our Lord Jesus. Verse 5, and one shall burn the heifer in his sight. Her skin, her flesh, her blood, her entrails shall be burned. This speaks of the Lord Jesus, who endured, who endured the fiery wrath of God. For us. So, in order for the cure to be effective, it must be acceptable to God, and it must be accessible by man. Accessible or acceptable to God, accessible by man. You notice in numbers nineteen uh, and verse six through nine. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and spoil it, cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. Then the priest shall wash his bones, shall bathe in water. Afterwards he shall uh, come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean. until The priest who was uh, officiating over the sermon and the one that was helping burn it, they they came in contact uh, and they were unclean until the evening. And, and and one of the things that I see is that there's some times that God will uh anoint you to minister some situations. And because you've got a covering Oh is anybody listening? Amen. Because you have a covering uh the full weight and the full harm won't come on you because you are operating, amen, under the under under the direction of God. And He'll he'll cover me. I can't can't tell you the times that I've had to be involved in some bad situations. But He covered me. And I thank God for the prayers of the saints. Amen. Pray for their pastor. Your prayers cover me. Hallelujah. And so they would they would burn the heifer, and, and, and what would be left would be ashes. And they would take it, and they would store the ashes of the red heifer. Now, why did they keep the ashes? Well, uh, the ashes were evidence of the finished sacrifice, and they were to be perpetually preserved and kept in a clean place, amen, for the removal of daily sin and its pollution. And so when a person would become unclean, whether, uh, whatever the means that they became unclean, what they would do is they get the ashes of the red heaven. And they would mix it with running water. Not stagnant water, but running water, living water. Amen. And, and you remember how uh, Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me to give you a drink of what? living water. And so they would mix the ashes of the red heifer with running black water. And then uh, it had to be accessible to man. And then uh, what they would do, and it was available to me by faith, they would take the hyssop. And what I found out about the hyssop, uh the hyssop is a, is a uh, Kind of a, a bush like thing that grows on the walls. Uh, a, a shrub that grows in Israel. It's a shrub that grows out of the walls, very common. You can reach up and pull it off. And if you let me use my imagination a little bit, what they did is they grabbed that shrub, the hyssop, and they used it kind of like a sponge where they would take the hyssop and dip it into the mixture of the ashes and the, the water of the red hell. And they would dip the hyssop in it, and then they would sprinkle the waters of purification. Uh, hyssop was what dipped in. And I believe that the hyssop, that shrub hyssop, represents our faith. Because it is our faith that gives in to the aggressive blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the emblem of faith. And it's an Old Testament illustration of the power of the blood. In fact, I want you to go with me to uh, Hebrews 9 to show you the connection that it connects us in the New Testament. I've been talking about numbers. You say, well, well, that's way of numbers. Go with me to Hebrews, the 9th chapter and the 13th verse. And when you get Hebrews, the 9th chapter and the 13th verse, You'll find these words in in, in the New King James Version. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heaven sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ Who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Do you all see that? Today, somebody would say that with me. Today, the blood of Jesus applied with the hyssop of faith will purge you and make you clean. Today, the blood still has its power. Understand? They 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 had the the, the dried up red heifer, and they kept it in store. Amen. Uh, Perpetually, they kept it in store so that when it was needed, I'm here to tell you the blood of Jesus is when He presented it, Amen, uh, uh, on the altar of God. That blood is kept. In store, it's not just blood that was effective uh, over two thousand years ago. That blood still has its power. Somebody say the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And over in the book of uh, First John, I believe it's uh, First John one and seven. it talks about in that last part of that verse, the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. And the tense of that verb, it means it continues to cleanse. It continues. Not, not, you know, not just once when you got saved way back when. Not, amen. That blood is still effective and it will continue. But you got access with the physical faith. Hallelujah. You all get anything out of this today? Talking about the tragedy. The tragedy of unclean Christians. And the reason that it's a tragedy is that Jesus has made available to all of us. We don't have to. Amen. We can we, we, we can come clean and we don't have to stay dirty. I want you to say that with me. Jesus has made it available. Where we can come clean. We can become clean. We don't have to stay dirty. Hallelujah. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience? Dead works. Do you want? To, do you know what dead works are? You see, the Bible says that we were created for good works. Dead works are what unclean Christians do. Instead of producing life, it produces death. I talked about that earlier. And you have got a lot of. A lot of believers, a lot of so-called believers and Christians and religious people who have a form of godliness with no power, and and they try to do good, but because they're doing it with unclean hands, it ends up being dead works. Jesus said, uh, "The blind leading the blind." What do you say happens? They both fall in the ditch. They're people that they got a mind and they want to help people. And they end up hurting the very people that they say they want to help. But the, how much more the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Tragic of an unclean Christian. We can turn that around. Amen. And as I said when I began, and I'm uh, getting ready to close out with our live stream audience now, and to those that are in the sanctuary, we're going to close out. Do you know what the modern day equivalent of the application of the red heifer is for the New Testament belief? The modern day equivalent of that is Jesus said, as often as you do this, you do in remembrance of men. But the bread represents his body. The cup represents the blood of the new covenant. And and, and that's why Paul talked about when they misused uh and uh the, 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 the Lord's supper, when they would uh abuse him, he said, Don't do that. He said that's the reason that many of you are uh suffering and many of you are asleep. He's talking about dead. Wow. He said, for uh, but that is the New Testament equivalent. I'm not saying uh if wrongfully receiving communion can lead to weakness and death, then rightfully receiving communion. It can be a suffering that brings life. Right. For the children of Israel, over the Passover, you had to eat the meal if you wanted to make the journey. So, to our live stream audience, as we get ready to close out, man, I hope that word has uh, touched you. And if there are those of you that are watching this by live stream and you're thinking to yourself, wow, uh, I'm <coughs> unclean. Some of those things that you were talking about, Pastor. Maybe not calculated, but maybe casual. Uh, uh, you know, not me, but the folk around me. And I feel dirty. I'm here to tell you, Amen. That the blood still works. And so, to those people that are watching me by live stream, I'm just going to ask to you just lift your hands and pray with me right now. Help me, Father. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I believe your word is, by faith, I am applying the precious blood of Jesus. By faith, I am applying the precious blood of Jesus. Your word said that if we would uh, confess our sins, that you would be faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I believe I believe it. I thank you, Lord, right now. And I thank you that the blood is cleansing and continues to work in my life. And I thank you, Lord, that I will not be stuck doing dead works, but I'll be able to serve a living God. If you meant that, amen, I believe God is doing it for you right now. Uh, send us some comments. Send us some response. Let us know, amen, uh, how you are doing. Amen. And I want to say God bless you. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Amen to those in the congregation. Uh, we're going to amen, close out today uh, with the Lord's Supper. And Paul, uh, and they're going to prepare and uh, pass out the elements in just a moment. But in the book of Corinthians, eleven chapter. Um, yeah. where he talks about what I received of the Lord that which is also given unto me have my own